Welcome to Creative Biolabs. We provide reliable oncolytic virus therapy development services for clients globally. Our service covers all aspects from virus engineering, cell biology, to animal testing. We have archived professional academic reports and the latest scientific progress on oncolytic virus therapy by making it into a podcast column. You can subscribe us to follow the latest updates on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Hello everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Creative Biolabs webinar series on oncolytic viruses. Today we invited Jensen. He is an expert in cancer treatment area. Together with his team, they have been studying the immunotherapy for many years, hoping to improve cancer patients' survival rate. Thank you for joining us today, Jensen. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for your invitation. So to begin, would you like to first give us an introduction on oncolytic viruses for cancer therapy? Sure. Oncolytic virus has been around for quite some time. Its research started out from the very basics. At first, scientists believed it could eliminate cancer because of its killing ability. Then slowly, with the development of sciences and technologies, a different conclusion was reached. The common concept now is that oncolytic virus not only can damage tumor cells, but also change the activity of immune response. I believe we have mentioned these characteristics many times in this program. So currently, the focus has shifted from its killing ability to how to use the oncolytic virus to enhance anti-tumor immunity. How significant do you think the oncolytic virus is for cancer treatment? Oh, very significant, I think. Oncolytic viruses are a rapidly developed type of cancer immunotherapy. It's been given a lot of anticipation because most believe that this new category of cancer treatment can really help to cure cancer. As the research is more advanced, scientists start to focus on using oncolytic viruses to train patients' immune systems to achieve the goal of identifying and eradicating cancer. I read in some articles that mentioned in recent years, the focus of the oncolytic virus field has changed to the real transformation research field. What does this mean? It means that recent scientific progress has shifted people's attention to clinical transformation. So this treatment is not just being tested in the lab settings or in animal models, but really is being advanced into human studies. So it becomes more important to use clinical-related models when developing and testing new oncolytic viruses. In other words, it becomes more and more important to study the effect of clinical candidate oncolytic virus in the model of closely replicating human cancer. And before this transformation, scientists have been mainly using immortalized cell lines as the research model? That's right. These immortalized cell lines are also very powerful for basic scientific research. However, with the development of clinical application in our research field, we need to find alternatives that are closer to the current situation of patients. So before we get into the alternatives, what are some disadvantages with the immortalized cell line? Yes, there are many drawbacks to using immortalized cell lines as an experimental system. For example, 
The unclear origin of some of these cell lines is one that has been widely debated in recent years. How did that happen? I mean, some cell lines have an unclear origin? Yeah, some cell lines' nomenclatures are not completely consistent. For example, MDAM-435 is a commonly used model for detecting metastatic breast cancer. Its molecular characteristics are actually similar to those of the melanoma cell line UCLA-SOM14, which means that the source tissue of these cell lines poses a problem, and we cannot determine which cell it is. And you know, various environmental pressures on cells in culture can lead to genomic evolution. And it is easy to speculate, in many cases, the extent of possible genomic differences in immortalized cell lines that have been cultivated for decades. And from there, you can expect some problems with these cell lines, like reduced ability to represent their original disease state, because you know, the increase of passage times in culture will lead to changes in metabolism, genome, and epigenome of cell lines. Is the genome of immortalized cells always so unstable? Yes, but genomic instability is a necessary factor in the process of immortalization of natural cells. It's interesting that genomic instability and immortality coexist in those cell lines. So we cannot avoid the problems we just discussed with immortalized cell lines. And genomic changes that promote immortalization have been shown to affect the phenotype of experimental models. At the same time, there is a lot of evidence in the literature to support the fact that in vitro studies rarely predict what will happen in vivo or human studies. Therefore, it is necessary to obtain experimental data in some other ways, like from in vivo studies. So I guess this is where we can move on to the alternatives you were talking about earlier. How's the work of finding alternatives going? Right. These alternatives are clinically relevant models. It's moving slowly, but going forward. Some research groups have developed their own experimental models, which come from clinical or surgical specimens. There are three kinds of patient-derived models, which were derived from malignant ascites of patients with ovarian cancer direct resection of metastatic melanoma, and cell culture of core biopsy of pancreatic cancer. Each has been used to generate replicated cell models, and has proved to be a valuable tool. So do you suggest that in the future, only these alternatives can be used for the research on the anti-cancer ability of oncolytic virus? Not really. Although this knowledge implies that the opposite may be prudent, it is interesting that collaboration with mature and well-researched immortalized cell lines remains to a large extent the preferred technology in the study of human cancer and the development of new oncolytic viruses. Because there are also shortcomings with these clinical models. So not only cell lines, but alternatives also have shortcomings. What would you do then, Jensen? Yeah, every method can have its pros and cons. This is inevitable. We need to develop more clinical-related models and ultimately improve the quality of oncolytic virus therapy development. That's why we chose to develop primary cell cultures 
from tumor samples of cancer patients undergoing medical procedures related to diagnosis, treatment, or symptom management. Is there any specific patient population you would focus on? For the clinical model we want, we will select patients with ovarian cancer who are undergoing peritoneal punctures to relieve the symptoms of accumulated malignant ascites. And we have also selected patients with malignant melanoma who were undergoing metastatic lesions in transit metastasis or primary tumor resection. And some patients are undergoing endoscopic ultrasound-guided fine-needle aspiration biopsy to help with histopathological diagnosis of pancreatic cancer. We can work with them as well. In fact, we have already developed a protocol to isolate short-term cultures of ovarian cancer, melanoma, and pancreatic cancer from patients. Jensen, thank you so much for joining us this evening. And thanks everyone for listening. We will continue our discussions next week.